Section 4 of On Christian Doctrine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On Christian Doctrine by Augustine of Hippo. Translated by J. F. Shaw. Section 4. Book 1. Chapters 30 to 40. Chapter 30. Whether Angels are to be reckoned our neighbors. There arises further in this connection a question about angels, for they are happy in the enjoyment of him whom we long to enjoy, and the more we enjoy him in this life, as through a glass darkly, the more easy do we find it to bear our pilgrimage, and the more eagerly do we long for its termination. But it is not irrational to ask whether in those two commandments is included the love of angels also. For that he who commanded us to love our neighbor made no exception, as far as men are concerned, is shown both by our Lord himself in the Gospel and by the Apostle Paul. For when the man to whom our Lord delivered those two commandments, and to whom he said that on these hang all the law and the prophets, asked him, And who is my neighbor? He told him of a certain man who, going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, and was severely wounded by them, and left naked and half dead. And he showed him that nobody was neighbor to this man except him who took pity upon him, and came forward to relieve and care for him. And the man who had asked the question admitted the truth of this when he was himself interrogated in turn, to whom our Lord says, Go and do thou likewise, teaching us that he is our neighbor, whom it is our duty to help in his need, or whom it would be our duty to help if he were in need. Whence it follows that he whose duty it would be in turn to help us is our neighbor. For the name neighbor is a relative one, and no one can be neighbor except to a neighbor. And again, who does not see that no exception is made of any one as a person to whom the offices of mercy may be denied, when our Lord extends the rule even to our enemies? Love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. And so also the Apostle Paul teaches when he says, for this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Whoever then supposes that the apostle did not embrace every man in this precept is compelled to admit what is at once most absurd and most pernicious, that the apostle thought it no sin if a man were not a Christian or were an enemy to commit adultery with his wife, or to kill him, or to covet his goods. And as nobody but a fool would say this, it is clear that every man is to be considered our neighbor, because we are to work no ill to any man. But now, if every one to whom we ought to show, or who ought to show us the offices of mercy, is by right called a neighbor, it is manifest that the command to love our neighbor embraces the holy angels also, seeing that so great offices of mercy have been performed by them on our behalf, as may easily be shown by turning the attention to many passages of Holy Scripture. And on this ground even God himself our Lord desired to be called our neighbor. For our Lord Jesus Christ points to himself under the figure of the man who brought aid to him who is lying half dead on the road, wounded and abandoned by the robbers. And the psalmist says in his prayer, I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. But as the divine nature is of higher excellence than, and far removed above, our nature, the command to love God is distinct from that to love our neighbor. For he shows us pity on account of his own goodness, but we show pity to one another on account of his, 
that is, he pities us, that we may fully enjoy himself. We pity one another, that we may fully enjoy him. Chapter 31. God uses rather than enjoys us. And on this ground, when we say that we enjoy only that which we love for its own sake, and that nothing is a true object of enjoyment except that which makes us happy, and that all other things are for use, there seems still to be something that requires explanation. For God loves us, and Holy Scripture frequently sets before us the love he has towards us. In what way, then, does he love us, as objects of use or as objects of enjoyment? If he enjoys us, he must be in need of good from us, and no sane man will say that. For all the good we enjoy is either himself or what comes from himself. And no one can be ignorant or in doubt as to the fact that the light stands in no need of the glitter of the things it has itself lit up. The psalmist says most plainly, I said to the Lord, Thou art my God, for thou needest not my goodness. He does not enjoy us, then, but makes use of us. For if he neither enjoys nor uses us, I am at a loss to discover in what way he can love us. Chapter 32 In what way God uses man? But neither does he use after our fashion of using. For when we use objects, we do so with a view to the full enjoyment of the goodness of God. God, however, in his use of us, has reference to his own goodness. For it is because he is good we exist, and so far as we truly exist, we are good. And further, because he is also just, he cannot with impunity be evil. And so far as we are evil, so far is our existence less complete. Now he th is the first and supreme existence, who is altogether unchangeable, and who could say in the fullest sense of the words, I am that I am. And thou shalt say to them, I am hath sent me unto you so that all other things that exist both owe their existence entirely to him, and are good only so far as he has given it to them to be so. That use, then, which God is said to make of us, has no reference to his own advantage, but to ours only, and so far as he is concerned, has reference only to his goodness. When we take pity upon a man and care for him, it is for his advantage we do so. But somehow or other our own advantage follows by a sort of natural consequence, for God does not leave the mercy we show to him who needs it to go without reward. Now this is our highest reward, that we should fully enjoy him, and that all who enjoy him should enjoy one another in him. Chapter 33. In what way man should be enjoyed. For if we find our happiness complete in one another, we stop short upon the road, and place our hope of happiness in man or angel. Now the proud man and the proud angel arrogate this to themselves, and are glad to have the hope of others fixed upon them. But on the contrary, the holy man and the holy angel, even when we are weary and anxious to stay with them and rest in them, set themselves to recruit our energies with the provision which they have received of God for us or for themselves and then urge us thus refreshed to go on our way towards him, in the enjoyment of whom we find our common happiness. For even the apostle exclaims, Was Paul crucified for you, or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? And again, Neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. And the angel admonisheth the man who is about to worship him, that he should rather worship him who is his master, and under whom he himself is a fellow-servant. But when you have joy of a man in God, it is God rather than man that you enjoy. 
for you enjoy him by whom you are made happy and you rejoice to have come to him in whose presence you place your hope of joy and accordingly paul says to philemon yea brother let me have joy of thee in the lord for if he had not added in the lord but had only said let me have joy of thee he would have implied that he fixed his hope of happiness upon him although even in the immediate context to enjoy is used in the sense of to use with delight for when the thing that we love is near us it is a matter of course that it should bring delight with it and if you pass beyond this delight and make it a means to that which you are permanently to rest in you are using it and it is an abuse of language to say that you enjoy it but if you cling to it and rest in it finding your happiness complete in it then you may be truly and properly said to enjoy it and this we must never do except in the case of the blessed trinity who is the supreme and unchangeable good chapter thirty four christ the first way to god and mark that even when he who is himself the truth and the word by whom all things were made had been made flesh that he might dwell among us the apostle yet says yea though we have known christ after the flesh yet now henceforth know we him no more for christ desiring not only to give the possession to those who had completed the journey but also to be himself the way to those who were just setting out determined to take a fleshly body whence also that expression the lord created me in the beginning of his way that is that those who wished to come might begin their journey in him the apostle therefore although still on the way and following after god who called him to the reward of his heavenly calling yet forgetting those things which were behind and pressing on towards those things which were before had already passed over the beginning of the way and had now no further need of it yet by this way all must commence their journey who desire to attain to the truth and to rest in eternal life for he says i am the way and the truth and the life that is by me men come to me they come in me they rest for when we come to him we come to the father also because through an equal an equal is known and the holy spirit binds and as it were seals us so that we are able to rest permanently in the supreme and unchangeable good and hence we may learn how essential it is that nothing should detain us on the way when not even our lord himself so far as he has condescended to be our way is willing to detain us but wishes us rather to press on and instead of weakly clinging to temporal things even though these have been put on and worn by him for our salvation to pass over them quickly and to struggle to attain unto himself who has freed our nature from the bondage of temporal things and has set it down at the right hand of his father chapter thirty five the fulfilment and end of scripture is the love of god and our neighbor of all then that has been said since we entered upon the discussion about things this is the sum that we should clearly understand that the fulfilment and the end of the law and of the holy scripture is the love of an object which is to be enjoyed and the love of an object which can enjoy that other in fellowship with ourselves for there is no need of a command that each man should love himself the whole temporal dispensation for our salvation therefore was framed by the providence of god that we might know this truth and be able to act upon it and we ought to use that dispensation not with such love and delight as if it were a good to rest in but with a transient feeling rather such as we have towards the road or carriages or other things that are merely means perhaps some other comparison can be found that will more suitably express the idea that we are to love the things by which we are born only for the sake of that towards which we are born 
Chapter 36 That interpretation of scripture which builds us up in love is not perniciously deceptive nor mendacious even though it be faulty. The interpreter, however, should be corrected. Whoever then thinks that he understands the holy scriptures, or any part of them, but puts such an interpretation upon them, as does not tend to build up this twofold love of God and our neighbor, does not yet understand them as he ought. If, on the other hand, a man draws a meaning from them that may be used for the building up of love, even though he does not happen upon the precise meaning which the author whom he reads intended to express in that place, his error is not pernicious, and he is wholly clear from the charge of deception. For there is involved in deception the intention to say what is false. And we find plenty of people who intend to deceive, but nobody who wishes to be deceived. Since, then, the man who knows practices deceit, and the ignorant man is practiced upon, it is quite clear that in any particular case the man who is deceived is a better man than he who deceives, seeing that it is better to suffer than to commit injustice. Now every man who lies commits an injustice, and if any man thinks that a lie is ever useful, he must think that injustice is sometimes useful. For no liar keeps faith in the matter about which he lies. He wishes, of course, that the man to whom he lies should place confidence in him, and yet he betrays his confidence by lying to him. Now every man who breaks faith is unjust. Either, then, injustice is sometimes useful, which is impossible, or a lie is never useful. Whoever takes another meaning out of scripture than the writer intended goes astray, but not through any falsehood in scripture. Nevertheless, as I was going to say, if his mistaken interpretation tends to build up love, which is the end of the commandment, he goes astray in much the same way as a man who by mistake quits the high road, but yet reaches through the fields the same place to which the road leads. He is to be corrected, however, and to be shown how much better it is not to quit the straight road, lest if he get into a habit of going astray, he may sometimes take cross-roads, or even go in the wrong direction altogether. Chapter 37. Dangers of Mistaken Interpretation For if he takes up rashly a meaning which the author whom he is reading did not intend, he often falls in with other statements which he cannot harmonize with this meaning. And if he admits that these statements are true and certain, then it follows that the meaning he had put upon the former passage cannot be the true one. And so it comes to pass, one can hardly tell how, that, out of love for his own opinion, he begins to feel more angry with Scripture than he is with himself. And if he should once permit that evil to creep in, it will utterly destroy him. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now faith will totter, if the authority of Scripture begin to shake. And then, if faith totter, love itself will grow cold. For if a man has fallen from faith, he must necessarily also fall from love. For he cannot love what he does not believe to exist. But if he both believes and loves, then through good works and through diligent attention to the precepts of morality, he comes to hope also that he shall attain the object of his love. And so these are the three things to which all knowledge and all prophecy are subservient, faith, hope, and love. Chapter 38. Love Never Faileth But sight shall displace faith and hope shall be swallowed up in that perfect bliss to which we shall come. Love, on the other hand, shall wax greater when these others fail. For if we love by faith that which as yet we see not, how much more shall we love it when we begin to see? And if we love by hope that which as yet we have not reached, how much more shall we love it when we reach it? For there is this great difference between things temporal and things eternal, 
that a temporal object is valued more before we possess it and begins to prove worthless the moment we attain it because it does not satisfy the soul which has its only true and sure resting place in eternity an eternal object on the other hand is loved with greater ardor when it is in possession than while it is still an object of desire for no one in his longing for it can set a higher value on it than really belongs to it so as to think it comparatively worthless when he finds it of less value than he thought on the contrary however high the value any man may set upon it when he is on his way to possess it he will find it when it comes into his possession of higher value still chapter thirty nine he who is mature in faith hope and love needs scripture no longer and thus a man who is resting upon faith hope and love and who keeps a firm hold upon these does not need the scriptures except for the purpose of instructing others accordingly many live without copies of the scriptures even in solitude on the strength of these three graces so that in their case i think the saying is already fulfilled whether there be prophecies they shall fail whether there be tongues they shall cease whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away yet by means of these instruments as they may be called so great an edifice of faith and love has been built up in them that holding to what is perfect they do not seek for what is only in part perfect of course i mean so far as is possible in this life for in comparison with a future life the life of no just and holy man is perfect here therefore the apostle says now abideth faith hope charity these three but the greatest of these is charity because when a man shall have reached the eternal world while the other two graces will fail love will remain greater and more assured chapter forty what manner of reader scripture demands and therefore if a man fully understands that the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned and is bent upon making all his understanding of scripture to bear upon these three graces he may come to the interpretation of these books with an easy mind for while the apostle says love he adds out of a pure heart to provide against anything being loved but that which is worthy of love and he joins with this a good conscience in reference to hope for if a man has the burthen of a bad conscience he despairs of ever reaching that which he believes in and loves and in the third place he says and of faith unfeigned for if our faith is free from all hypocrisy then we both abstain from loving what is unworthy of our love and by living uprightly we are able to indulge the hope that our hope shall not be in vain for these reasons i have been anxious to speak about the objects of faith as far as i thought it necessary for my present purpose for much has already been said on this subject in other volumes either by others or by myself and so let this be the end of the present book in the next i shall discuss as far as god shall give me light the subject of signs end of section four